Good morning. My name, if you don't know who I am, my name is Ryan Litchfield, and I'm the pastor of students here at Ridgecrest. I don't get up here often, so you may not have seen my face before. Um, So my name is Ryan, and we're going to dive into our text this morning. Um, Matt asked me to preach 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 14. And as Joel kind of joked about the B team being here this morning, I thought that was kind of funny about this passage um, this morning that the youth pastor is going to kind of preach this text. But I actually think it's really important, and I think it will be a great test uh, this morning uh, and see how our students pay attention and how they apply this to their lives come about a, a week from now when we are at camp. So students, this is a good opportunity for you to pay attention. Uh, and so maybe even preteens, this is a good opportunity for you to do that as well. Um, like Joel said, Matt's at the Southern Baptist um, Convention this week, so would you pray for him and pray for his family while they're gone? Pray for the, the meetings that go on there for our convention. Pray for the pastor's conference that's happening there this week. So if you want to go ahead and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to be in verses 12 through 14. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there's a, a black Bible in that pew um, back in front of you. If you would grab that out. Uh, if you want to go ahead, turn to page 988, and that's where we'll be this morning. Um, and so, as I've kind of studied this week and as, I, as I've looked at this passage it began to draw some memories back over my mind. I'm not that old, um, but I've had almost 10 jobs in my life. And so I've counted those up, and I've looked back, whether they were in ministry or whether they were not, I've thought about maybe the different bosses that I've had, maybe the different leaders that I've had over those uh, quite a few jobs. And, And so I've thought about, even as I began to think about those leaders and those bosses, what I began to think was how they chose to maybe lead or how they chose to, how they were a boss and the different ways they, they chose to do their job and, and maybe the way that they chose to treat their employees. And so maybe we've all had jobs where one job was more enjoyable than another and maybe that was due to the fact of the way that the boss was, the way they led, the way they treated us. And so maybe as I, as I looked at this passage this week, maybe that brought some clarity to, to why maybe some of these things were more, more enjoyable. Um, I preferred, and just like many of you, you probably prefer one boss over another. Uh, and, and whether that's maybe in your job now or maybe it was a job several jobs ago. And so I would say this, I've enjoyed bosses that don't just boss or that don't just tell me what to do or maybe don't just dictate. I enjoy a boss that leads by example. I enjoy a boss that is a hard worker and is willing to get their hands dirty as well. And so I've enjoyed someone who has led along the way and not just kind of pointed and said, hey, you do this and you do that. Well, they kind of, in a way, it kind of seems like maybe they sit back and aren't getting their hands dirty as well, or maybe they're not working hard as well. And so with that idea, I would say some maybe have been bosses, Some have been leaders, some have been co-laborers, and some have been people that have kind of just pointed out and said, hey, this is what you're doing wrong, but have provided no really way to fix that idea. And so I get that there's different leadership styles. I get that there's different personality styles. 
But for me and maybe some of you in this room, it's easier to work for someone who is working hard as well. Maybe it's easier to follow someone who is working hard as well. Maybe it's easier to respect someone who is working hard as well. So as we dive into our text this morning, what we see is this idea about in the church who are leaders, why we should respect and honor those leaders, and a way in how we should treat those leaders. And so maybe this pours over into the church. And so I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to read our text. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. And Father, we ask that you be with Matt and Justin as their families are off, that you would renew them and refresh them. And Father, as we look at your word this morning, we ask that you would be glorified. And we ask that maybe there's some things in our life that we need to look at and reevaluate and change um, Father, we ask that your word would bring conviction, that your word would, would point us to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 through 14. It says this, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. So in this text, what we see is kind of two ideas here. Here, The first, in verses 12 and 13, is really talking about leaders, how we should respect, how we should treat them. And then 14 is really a call for the church members or or the congregation to to really live out the gospel. So in verses 12 and 14, 12 through 13, there's a call to the church, there's a call to the congregation in the way that it should relate to its leaders. Uh, or, and for, or maybe as believers, the way that we should treat those who have poured into our life spiritually. Paul is writing this to the Thessalonians, and this is not, we don't get a, a list of qualifications here for leadership like we do in 1 Timothy. Uh, we just we don't know how these leaders have been chosen. This isn't a list of qualifications. But Paul recognized the possibility that members of the church might become unreasonably critical of their spiritual leaders. So he instructed them to hold church leadership in high regard. The leaders in, in this idea would not just include pastors, not just include elders, or not just include um, the staff members. But it's a leadership of shared responsibilities. Maybe lay leaders are included in many different ways. People who lead without a title. Um, There's many different ways that we can look at leaders here. And so Paul is urging the church to recognize those who were leaders within this church. And and really this idea of who were becoming leaders in the Thessalonian church. And Paul is calling... Believers to respect and support the leaders uh, that they are following. In a way, Paul is saying that we should recognize who are leaders by those who are laboring and those who are working among us. Paul isn't giving us, like I said, Paul isn't giving us a list of qualifications for a pastor or an elder, but he's simply talking about how we should treat leaders in the church or simply treat those who are laboring those who are working hard and encouraging others to grow in their relationship with Christ. 
Paul gives another example of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, if you want to look at that this afternoon. And so he gives the same idea of, of us respecting leaders in that, uh, in that chapter right there in 1 Corinthians. So we see a few things in this text, and, and verse 12 really points out three things in this text regarding to our leaders. The first two are this, that we should respect and honor them. And so, what does respect mean? I think we may all have an idea of what respect means in our minds, but when we come to say it, what respect actually means and define what respect means, my mind kind of went blank several times this week. Um, I know what respect is, but it's hard to kind of put that into words. So, Webster uh, Dictionary defines respect as a high regard or esteem. And so what that means is we should consider our leaders worthy of a high regard. And then honor is simply this, showing our respect to someone. It's almost in a way living out that respect that we have for someone. And so showing our respect is how we honor them. In the text, we are called to honor and we are called to respect. And the idea, it's kind of interesting how verse 12 begins... Because if you look at 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11, it says, I think, yes, verse 11, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So he kind of ends with this idea in verse 11 of the church encouraging one another in a way that we can encourage our leaders, the way that we can encourage our staff members, our pastors, our lay leaders, our elders, is by encouraging them. By respecting them, by honoring them. So the, what the text is saying, what makes, what makes a, real legit, uh, uh, a real leader legit, I tr- try to combine those two words if you didn't figure that out, um, but it, what makes a real leader a legit leader is whether they're working hard. Is what is kind of the idea that this text points us to. And so it's not a social status It's not a social rank. It's not a title that they've been given. And it's instead the fact that they were working hard for the the gospel. And so we can learn from this that leaders of the church are to be respected because of what they're doing. Not because of a title. Not because of money. Not because of their social status. Not because of really any other thing. But they're called, and we're called to honor and to respect them because of their hard work for their advancement of the gospel. They are to be respected because they were working and laboring for the advancement of the gospel and the good of the church. Oftentimes, people want to be respected because they have a title. Maybe it's a title that they've received, but that's not what Paul is saying here. In this passage... Respect and honor come from leaders and pastors working hard in the gospel and working to equip the church. Not just because they've been given a title. And unfortunately, that many ideas have come. Some leaders in the church may want respect, but they don't want to put in the labor of work. And what this idea really lends to is it leads to an idea or a reputation of laziness. And so... Maybe pastors or especially sometimes youth pastors have kind of gotten the, the joke of they're just lazy people who sit in the office all day. 
And so I'm not saying that my job is any harder than any of yours. That's not what I'm saying. But unfortunately, many people have kind of made this joke because of a reputation that maybe some youth pastors have had that people or, or youth pastors are lazy. And so therefore, what we are called to do is not just to be respected, but as, as pastors, as leaders, we are called to work hard. We're called to advance the gospel. We're call, called to get our hands dirty as well. We're called to equip the saints for ministry, and so we're called to work hard. So just because we have a title doesn't mean that we necessarily are for, are, should receive that respect. Our respect should come and honor should come from us working and laboring hard for the gospel and the good of the church and helping disciple people along the way. The idea that we get from this text is that we are not called to be lazy or we're not called to sit idle as leaders, but we're called to work we're called to equip the body, and we are called to advance the gospel. That's those, those are the things that we're called to do. We're not called just to, to say, hey, I have a title, you should respect me, but it's because of the work that we're putting in for the gospel. So pastors, elders, staff members, lay leaders are all called to set the example of how members of the church should be working as well. So you see, in verse 14, we see the idea of all church members should be working hard. Not just, not just the people who are leaders, but all members, all people who belong to the church should be working hard as well. Paul makes a statement that we are also called to respect those who are over you in the Lord. Some people, especially maybe pastors or church staff members, have been placed in leadership positions. But that doesn't excuse them from working hard for the advancement of the gospel. It doesn't excuse them from working hard of leading the church. See, they're, they're still called to do those things, even though they've kind of been given a title. If we've been placed in a leadership position, it's not a free ride for respect and honor. It's a call to work hard for the advancement of the gospel, for the good of the church. And that's how we receive the respect and honor. So just because someone has been placed in a position does not exclude them from working hard for the Lord. We don't get a free pass. And so, and then the ver last phrase we find in verse 12 is, is to admonish you. And so no one really likes to be admonished. And so that's a little bit of a fancy word. So someone who, like me, is dyslexic and does not do well with big words has to look up these words to make sure they, they understand the clear meaning of something this simple. So admonish can simply mean that they can... They are to people that have might have advised you, warned you, correct you, cautioned you, called you out of sin. So leaders are called to give direction and correction and to help others grow in Christ. So advice, warnings, correction, and calling out sin is necessary ingredients for our growth as followers of Christ. So, so maybe there's been someone in your life who have done these things to you. Maybe there's been someone in your life that's called out sin. Maybe there's been someone who's given you advice or counsel or correction or caution. Maybe admonishing may not be a popular thing in today's world. But what we see is that it's really at the heart of us, of us growing spiritually. So in the verse 12, as, as we end with admonishing, those are people who have called out these things in our life. We're called to respect and honor as well. In verse 12, it lays the idea of who we should be respecting. 
the true leaders in our life. Those that are laboring among us, those that have been placed over us, and those who are admonishing us, maybe calling us out. In verse 13, we can see some ideals on how we should act out that respect. How we should honor our leaders. It's not just a call to say, hey, they are leaders. But it's a call to to live out honor and respect for them. So the first thing we see is to to esteem them in love. To, To simply, again, to show them respect. When we esteem someone or or show them respect, it's not just a a submission to that person. It's part of a relationship that is characterized by love. Love is a a loving way is how we should be treating them. And then we are called to be in peace as well. And when we get this idea, we are to be unified as the body of Christ, to live in harmony with one another. And one way that we can do that is by loving and respecting and honoring those that are leading. Those that are working together for the cause of the gospel. So a title of social status here in Thessalonians is not the foundation of respect or love. But rather the work or labor they did to equip the church should be the foundation for respect, love, and honor. So students, preteens, if you're going to camp, this is a great opportunity for you to hear this and live this out. So next week when we're at camp, this is a great opportunity for you to honor and respect those leaders. Not just myself, not just Miss Denise, but all the leaders. If you, you think about this, and so maybe parents as well, many of our adults have taken vacation time. Some are leaving family behind. And these adults will often be the first ones to wake up in the morning and the last ones to go to bed at night. This is a good chance for us to honor and and respect those as leaders who have taken off of work and leaving family behind to show them honor and respect for the things that they're doing for our students and preteens. And so as somewhat the new kid on block, I've been here just a little over a year, I can tell you this, I'm thankful for our elders and our staff and our lay leaders. I'm thankful that they've led and and they point others to Christ. I'm thankful to serve along each, each one of them. So last week we had the opportunity, if you were here, to show honor and love and respect to Matt who has served our church for 10 years. And so I'm thankful for him. He's led well. He's worked hard for the gospel. He's led the church. He's equipped people. He's poured into people. And he's faithfully proclaimed God's word for 10 years. He's worked hard here for 10 years. And we had the opportunity to to recognize him, to respect him, to love him last week. And so last week we did that through a way of giving him a love offering. Uh, and, And so... I would say this, if you didn't get a chance to, to, to love him in that way, it's not too late. And then I'll let you know this, within the next couple of months, Justin will have been here 15 years. So he's served well with our students. He's loved on our students. He's poured into families. He's poured into to parents. He's poured into our community over the last several months. And so we have the opportunity to to show him the same love and respect that we did Matt last week. 
And so we're going to do the same thing for Justin to show our respect and love and honor. So the way that we did that last week through the love offering, through these things, we can show our, these two guys the love and the honor and the respect that, that they really, in a way, deserve for their, their hard work over the last 10 and 15 years. So what we do, the way we honor, and the way that we follow them and respect them is the idea that we get from Thessalonians and that we're called to live out. We're called to continue do, to do these things. Maybe we, we would say, hey, we did this for Matt's 10-year anniversary. We pat him on the back. And maybe we pat, our, pat ourselves as a church on the back. But we're called to continue to do this. We're called to continue to love and respect. This isn't just a one-time thing. This is something that we're supposed to live out each and every day in a way of respecting those that are leading us. And so how might we apply this and and, and maybe this idea of, of working hard for the advancement of the gospel? In verse 14, we see this, and I'm going to read it again. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. So as it is the leader's job to work hard, as it is the, the leader's job to, to, to help advance the gospel, and the idea that we get from Ephesians 4.12 to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, as it is the leaders and the pastors and the elders' jobs to do that, all followers of Christ and members of the church are called not to be idle. We're all called to be working. That means that we are called to do ministry as well. All on Wednesday nights, I often ask our students this question. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, are you following after him? So, so that's what we're called to do. If we're going to claim to be people who follow after Christ, we've got to actually be following after him. So I, I, I've thought of this idea this week of, I'm not a big truck fan or, or an old car fan, but... If someone walked up to me and said, hey, Ryan, what old vehicle would you want? I already know what I want. I'm I'm not a big fan. I'm not trying to get one. But what I would say is I already know what I would like. It would probably be a 1970-ish model, uh, maybe late 60s Chevy truck. And And so I already have that in mind. But imagine if I had one of those. And I worked hard and I polished it all up. I, I, maybe I got a new paint job. Uh, maybe I lowered it because I would lower it. I wouldn't uh, put a lift kit on it. But maybe I'll put some big rims on it and put it on some airbags and make it look real cool. Um, maybe would even get the interior redone, put a nice sound system in it or whatever. And so maybe if I would bring one of you over to the house and, and, and we would walk in the garage and you would say, Hey, show me this truck. And so we're looking at this paint job, we're, we're looking at the rims, and we're, we open up the doors, we look at the interior, and we're like, man, this is a nice truck. And then if you're a male in the room, you're probably going to say, hey, pop the hood, I want to see the motor. And so I would pop the hood, and it would probably have a new motor in it, because um, I wouldn't want to work on it that often. And so maybe I would show you, <laughs> uh, maybe I would show you that motor. And so you would say, hey, can we start it up? Because if I put the motor in it, it's going to have nice exhaust as well. And so maybe we start it up and it sounds very good. But then you say, hey, can we take it for a ride? And I tell you, well, I spent all this money. 
But I actually didn't put a transmission in it. Like, like I just spent the money on the truck. I want it to look good. I want it to sound good. But I didn't put a transmission in it. I just want it to idle. And so maybe in this idea of admonish the idle, we're not called to be idle as followers of Christ. Just as it would be silly for me to own a truck that I spent a lot of money on to put no transmission in it, if we're called to follow after Christ, we're not called to be idle. We're called to be working hard for the advancement of the gospel. We're all called to do that. As believers of Christ, we're called to advance the gospel. We see that in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. This isn't just a call for pastors. This isn't just a call for leaders. It's a call for you and me. So what it says is, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the call for each and every one of us in this room. I can't go to your job and share the gospel with the people that you work with. That's what you're called to do. Could you imagine if tomorrow I showed up at L3 Harris at the little security booth and I said, hey, um, they said, hey, do you have a badge? And I said, no, but I'm here to get in because we have several church members here and I'm called to share the gospel for them. They wouldn't let me in, but that's not what we're called to do. We're called to share the gospel as all people. The same thing, if I tried to to go up to the hospital and and hang out and and pull up a chair at the nurse's nurse's station this week, and they say, hey, what are you here for? Well, I'm going to share the gospel to these people that um, our church members work with. Or maybe it's a school, or maybe it's a construction site. Whatever it is, that's your call. You're called to share the gospel wherever you're at. And so we're not called to be idle. All members of the church are called to advance the gospel. Not being idle also, call, also causes us to not live in sin or our fleshly ways. The second call for believers is to help the faint-hearted and to help the weak. Maybe those, maybe those are around us are close to giving up. Maybe they're discouraged and maybe they're tired of trying and they feel like it's time to give up. As the body, we're called to encourage them. We're called to help them. We're called to help them. And and so that means that we should pay attention to them and remain in a relationship with him. This last call in verse 14 is to to be patient with everyone. Now, no one likes to be told to be patient. I definitely don't. And so here's the question that we could ask is, what are life... Or or would our church simply be changed if we were patient with everyone? So I'm not not the most patient person in the room. I can guarantee you of that. But what what we see is we're called to be patient with everyone. Within the Thessalonian church, maybe the diversity that we see there and the social class and the different, different things that we see would probably be the reason that we see Paul calling them to be patient. They had differences just like we have differences today. We're still called to be patient. People are going to disappoint us. People are going to fail us. And sinners are going to sin. But in verse 14, we're called to be patient and to not give up. We're called to to continually show encouragement. 
ministering to those that are hurting, ministering to those that are in need, or maybe ministering to those who have continued in sin can be very difficult. People don't always respond. People don't always heal. People don't always grow as fast as I would like them to. And maybe you would say they don't always do these things as fast as you would like them to as well. I think that's probably why Paul tells us to be patient. He tells us to not give up on them. He tells us to encourage them. Patience has to be shown at all times towards everyone. And so I'm going to end with, with some questions that we can ask ourselves during a time of reflection. So if the band wants to go ahead and come up, I'm going to ask you these three questions. How have we treated our leaders? Are there people that we maybe need to call today? Are there people that we need to apologize to for the ways that we have treated them? The second question is this, are we idle? Are we not actively involved in the work of the gospel? Maybe we say we've been on the team, but we haven't been in the game. We're called to, to be in the game. We're called to advance the gospel. Maybe today you would say, today's a good day to jump in and start sharing the gospel. And number three is this. Would the way we approach people change if we were patient with people who were struggling? So would, we be, would the way people, uh, we approach people, or maybe would the way that people view us would change if we were patient with them while they were struggling? So let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time here this morning. And Father, we thankful, we're thankful for your word. So Father, as we looked at, looked at it this morning, may there be people that would say, hey, this is someone I need to call because I've not honored them well. Maybe there's somebody in the room that you would be moving in their life and calling out of being an idol. Or maybe there's those of us in this room that maybe are dealing with being patient with everyone in, in situations. May you move in our lives in, in the way that you see fit to call us to, to do things to honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.